flight as compared to what they they would know without it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's come to order. Um, those of you who have been here throughout the afternoon, I'm the latecomer. I'm Brian Charlson, president to the end of this convention of Library Users of America. Our president-elect, I think, is in the room. Judy, you are here. So Judy Wilkinson will be uh, stepping into um, what I'm, I'm stepping out of these shoes and stepping into loafers, and uh, she gets whatever. <laughs> anyway, we have two items on the agenda this for the balance of the afternoon. First, I would like to introduce to all of you a good friend of mine. Uh, she worked at the Carroll Center for the Blind, where I've been working for the last 34 years. Uh, she worked there, and while we didn't work in the same department there, the students were frequently the same people. And I remember the young people who said, I don't know that I have ever spread so much mayonnaise on bread in my life. <laughs> okay? So that was one of the things they remembered about her. Also something about cooking carrots. <laughs> because it was about, you know, the peeling and, 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 you know, dealing with boiling water and all that kind of fun stuff. So those were the two of the things that they remembered about her. But they also remembered her with great fondness, um, which really matters to me a lot for anybody who's teaching. You need to both respect your teacher and I think have some affection uh, with them a little bit to get the full value of that relationship. And it's much about relationships that is embodied in the book that Hannah is now going to tell us about. I was interested in it in two ways. One, this whole general subject of how do you, uh, well, let me back up and say one last thing, I'm sorry. I'm very much interested in literacy. That's the ability to read and write, sure. But later on this afternoon, it's the ability to ex experience raised line graphics, kind of graphical literacy, if you will. Um, and earlier, we had a session called Music, Music, Music. There certainly is such a thing as music literacy. Well, here we're talking body language and communications kind of literacy. And that's the core, I think, of the Hannah Fairburn book, but I also wanted her to talk about how she, the long journey toward an idea, a concept, becoming a book. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Hannah Fairbairn. Hello. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. I can't tell you how glad I am to be here and how appreciative I am of the chance to talk to you guys. And of course, I am also a devoted uh, Bard user. I can't think where I'd be without it. Um, so I want to introduce the book that I have written. And it was a 15-year project, uh, which for many years I never thought would come to anything much, but has finally resulted in two weeks' time 
in a book. And the book is called When You Can't Believe Your Eyes, and the subtitle is Vision Loss and Personal Recovery. And um, I wrote it uh, because it became clear, first of all, from my own experience of vision loss. I was born with congenital cataracts and then had um, retinal detachment at 33. So I just sort of, my life changed at 33. And um, my own experience, and then when I started teaching, that whole other sort of leg of the stool. And then thirdly, our younger daughter inherited my eye condition. So she went through school with a teacher, a vision teacher. Um, And although she now uh, has much better sight than I do, uh, still I was, did all that parent stuff. Um, So uh, this, this book started off in about 2004 when I realized that personal management, which was what I was teaching, which Brian's been referring to, which was about cooking and eating neatly and grooming and cleaning and going to stores and all that really important good stuff, was missing this whole piece and that we were all having to kind of reinvent the wheel about it and it was a very large part of personal management and that is how to speak and act in ways that get the world out there which is mostly highly dependent on seeing and kind of works from a seeing model kind of 95% of the time um, how to uh, get what was needed, get the information we needed in a useful way and correct information and how to ask for assistance in a way that would get us the assistance we needed, not land both you and the person trying to assist you in the weeds, way deep in the weeds sometimes because the person didn't know anything and you didn't know how to tell them. So this, um, and still, even though this is now you know, 15 years later, um, how to speak and act, or what you might call spoken (coughs) communication, is not really taught much in programs um, for rehab programs. So I think it's worth having a book about it. And so this book, When You Can't Believe Your Eyes, is quite compact, and it's a how-to guide to living with vision loss with, a, with also as best as I could make it resource list. And it's there um, partly because this whole emphasis on assertiveness and how to speak, not aggressively, not compliantly, not passively, but assertively, that's to say being uh, positive, specific and clear about what your needs are and coaching the person who's assisting you so that you get the right information in the right way. Um, And um, as I say, you know, having that available to people uh, 
so everybody didn't have to reinvent it for themselves and often have a very distressing time in the process, speaking for myself, trying to learn how to do this. Um, so um, that, was, that was the first thing. But then as time went on, it became clear to me that both for me and for loads of other people, both born with vision loss and uh, l losing sight in, uh, in adulthood, um, there was a period, often quite a long period, where um, you had lost control, personal control, or you might have done, and adult competence to family members, to the people around you. And um, you, and so that could form a habit, especially with family or housemates or roommates or whatever, so that then it became more difficult to take back control later on. So I wanted to write a book that was directly aimed at people new to vision loss. And of course, with us baby boomers, this is getting to be a much larger section of the population. And um, um, so I wanted people to be able to read it for themselves, to get those resources, that information for themselves. So those were the two reasons for turning this into a book. When I first thought of it, I was thinking of calling it a blind person's phrase book because I thought that it would be about kind of finding the right phrase to get what you needed. And then I realized a couple of things. One was, and, uh, one was that, first of all, it's not a matter of having the right phrase, that everybody speaks in different ways, has different uh, posture, different tone, different means of speaking, different ways of uh, asking for what they need. Um, and that was one thing. But I also realized that, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, anyway, that everybody wants, needs to do it differently, but that also um, how you, the other person is going to be expressing themselves with gestures and facial expression and whatever. And um, you are not going to be able to pick up on that immediately. So you're going to have to create an atmosphere that is kind of, and this is kind of rough, but all of you do it, you know, where we all kind of get good of it, that is warm and pleasant so that whoever you're talking to feels fairly comfortable. Now this is, this is very um, difficult stuff, you know, because first of all, you go through vision loss, or you grow up with vision loss, I actually did both. Um, and then you're supposed to create this comfort zone for the person who sees well. And in fact, you do have to do this some of the time. So that's quite, a, quite a, an achievement, and most of us do achieve it. So um, I think that's pretty miraculous, and it probably applies to all kinds of disabilities, but it certainly applies to vision loss. Um, so I wanted to say that as a teacher, um, you're not really um, you're not a know-it-all, though you can start to think you are. 
uh, if you're not careful, you're actually a repository for a lot of other people's ideas. And um, you, you kind of put those ideas together and add a little bit of your own. And um, so some of this was my idea, but a whole lot of it, and the kind of drive to turn it into something was me, but a whole lot of it came from other people. Um, first of all, teachers like Brian at the Carroll Centre, and he, of course, as you can imagine, also helped with the technology aspect. And Kate Crohan, who I think is here, is also, yeah, also, Kate gets quoted in my book, though I don't think she was aware of it. And um, so teachers, but lots and lots and lots of students at the Carroll Centre and gradually, over the years, uh, we began to have interpersonal skills groups. At the beginning, it was just the teens and young people sometimes with extra disabilities who got interpersonal skills classes. But gradually, it extended right through <coughs> the rehab, residential rehab program. So in the end, I'd been having interpersonal skills group for people aged 13 to 93. So just every possible situation was covered. And what we did most of the time was have um, role playing. Ooh, there we go, that's 10 minutes, folks. Um, on for another couple to finish your thought. Yes, so, um, so we would role play things. And if any of you are in any kind of a support group or a group, or if you have issues that you'd like to, to role play with somebody that you find difficult, getting a couple of people together, three is a great number, and role playing situations, it gets so funny. I can't tell you. Once people get over their embarrassment about doing it, you know, you have to kind of soften them up a bit. But then, once people get into it, being the ornery person at the drugstore or the waiter who's not listening, and then you are the client or you're the person with vision loss, but then you're the waiter, you know, you switch it around. And I tell you, it's a blast. And people come up with the most brilliant ideas in a group. Uh, you'd be amazed. Anyway, a lot of the ideas in this book come out of those groups. They also come out of off the website, uh, when you can't believe your eyes .com, uh, where people comment on blogs that I've put up. And um, last and perhaps most from a focus group of previous students at the Carroll Center who went through a whole lot of the material and made all kinds of good ideas and said what wasn't any good and so on and so on. So that's, that's what this book is about. I just want to say that it will be available in print and in accessible format, certainly on Google Play Books, probably on Amazon Kindle, although I'm not quite sure if the publisher's going to agree to that. And then in the fall on our very own NLS on Bard and Talking Books, and um, I hope the publisher will agree to putting it on Bookshare. And then if you know someone, perhaps you teach someone who has recent vision loss or who's <coughs> got a great drop in income because of vision loss, 
uh, on the website when you can't believe your eyes.com if you go to the book page there is going to be a fund for people to buy the book just for a few dollars if people would like to have their own copy and uh, um, and annotate it and so on in the way that you can um, because obviously one of the things that happens when you lose sight is you experience a huge drop in income mo mostly not everybody thank goodness um, so that's that I have lots of cards here with braille on them um, to that will just remind you of the name of the website and where to go if you'd like to buy a copy um, and otherwise there's a couple of minutes left for questions and I do hope you'll ask them please um, have you got so any questions out there can I get you to run a mic for me What part of the UK are you from, Hannah? Sorry? What part of the UK were you oh, born? Um, well, I was born up near the Scottish border, and uh, but a lot of my childhood was spent just south of Liverpool on the west coast by the sea. Ah, you definitely d dropped your n northern accent, didn't you? <laughs> I hope so. Um, I actually do have a question. One of the things that happens to me a lot, and I've never figured out the best answer, is when people say something like, um, well, dear, uh, and, and, and I respond by saying something like, I answer to ma'am, or something, and, and, they, f oh, and they, they feel like they've great. been slapped, but yeah. that is, uh, you, you know, don't call me dear, but yeah. I, I found that I answer to ma'am, but I, I don't think that's still the best way. So yeah. I'll be interested to know if you have any thoughts on awesome. that. Um, <laughs> I think that that's an excellent question. Thank you very much. Um, is it Judy? Uh, yes. Yeah. So thank you, Judy. Uh, yes. So people often, when they're nervous, they, they adopt this kind of slightly condescending tone, which makes you want to do things that you're not allowed to do, like slap them. Um, but, uh, so I think, I think your response is quite good, though maybe it verges towards the uh, a little too lively. Um, so, um, I, think, I think what I tend to do is to answer with a very um, specific kind of question in a very clear and marked kind of um, I am your equal way, you know, like, ah, you know, I might say, oh, hello, and um, so uh, are you enjoying this event? You know, just like, I'm not going there. Um, and uh, I find that people very quickly adjust to this implicit refusal to be talked down to and in, in a way they don't really mean to do it they're just kind of embarrassed you know but actually I quite like your version <laughs> and I wanted to say that if, if, if you read the book which I very much hope you will because th uh, about third of the book, more than a third, is about being assertive in various situations. And again, that doesn't mean aggressive, it means treading this fine line of being specific, 
polite, positive, but getting what you need. Um, so I would very much like anybody, you can, you can email me from the, from the website, and if, and if there's something that you, you think I haven't addressed, or you add to from your own experience, I'm very much hoping that there will be a second edition, which will be a library edition to go into public libraries in the large print section. So I would be so glad of any improvements, and they, I'm sure there will be improvements needed. So please, please do go to the website and comment. Okay, this Adam Rushville, and I just uh, think that there is a need for this type of book. And in Louisville, uh, we have a lady, Deanna Scoggins, who was asked by an Uber driver, have you been blind all your life? And Deanna said, not yet. <laughs> I like Very that. Very good. But, you know, there are ways to respond to questions and situations, and I think this book will be a guide. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Very good. Yes. And this is, I just want to say that uh, this is where your own tone and your own style is what you're going to do because I was brought up, you know, British and restrained and all that. So you might have a much more uh, sort of clever and funny response, which you should use. Um, but all, all what I'm trying to do is that there should be kind of guidelines for newbies so that they don't feel so lost, you know, in realizing that the other person's responding with their eyes and to speech, um, and that you know you don't know what you're going to do in the situation. So anyway, thank you very much. Again, join me in thanking Hannah for her presentation. Cards are up here. You got it. It's going to be a fun book, Hannah. I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm sure I can uh, come up with better ways to uh, extricate myself from times when. Uh, I leave a room and found that I've chewed on my tongue, and it might have been a more effective way to do that. Anyway, now Paul is going to tell us a very important piece of information. What would that be, Paul? Couldn't be the beginning code, could it? <laughs> Hold on for a sec. Let me turn on my little machine. Who in this room is doing continuing education credits? Anyone? Okay, see? It's worth doing. So, the, these codes are a little different. Um, so, the beginning code for this session is six, four, E for every or Edwards, or elemental, or elementary. Three, E, as in elephant, Ebenezer, or ebony. Six, four, E, three, E. Six, four, E, three, E. Brian. This is not music, music, music. <laughs> so. 